call in info. Yes, I will put that in the description for sure. If anybody's out there and wants to join us today, we're going to be doing a call in like always. It's in the subject or the description. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm in this new room, new house. Yeah. So nice if there's dude. a lot of echo or something, I feel like there might be. Um, nah, you're good, dude. Don't worry about it. No? All right. Well, I'll check back afterwards. Um, I'm just testing everything out. Got some new Wi-Fi. All that shit, bro. So up, what Corey? is up? What do we want to talk about, bro? Man, I don't know, dude. I. How about the thunder? Let's do that. I was, man, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Chet, man. I was thinking Corey, about Jada. Um. Let me finish this right here. Let me push send on that right there. There's the call in, guys. All right. That feature is up now, Mark. Got it. Um, you know, I was thinking about Chet's impact. And one of the things that I went back to was um, one of the things that Chet said, uh, I don't know, two months before the draft. And they asked him who the best player in the NBA was. Do you remember what he said? Me in two months. Me in two months. I keep going back to that, man. Like sometimes I look at overconfidence as like just biggest bullshit ever. Right. You know, like how does somebody have this much confidence in themselves? But I keep going back to this and I keep thinking in my brain, like maybe, maybe Chet's onto something. Maybe Chet realizes that something that we don't realize. Maybe that he feels that he already is better than Paul George. I mean, think about this. When Shea was traded, right? When Shea was traded, Patrick Beverly said that Shea was upset because he was tr- being traded for somebody that he felt he was already better than. And that was Paul George. He thought he was already better than Paul George. In Chet's mind, if he's coming into there and, and saying, I'm better than this player, I'm better than this player, I'm going to be more impactful than this player. You know, there's only going to be five, six big men that are better than I am starting off. If that's the case, man, and when he's coming into this being the third big uh, best big man in the West, you know, like we've got a situation on our hands, don't we? Because now we've been sitting here telling everybody that 50 games is something that could happen. But if Chet comes out and he's acting like he's like the third or fourth best big man in the, the West, what are we saying now? I mean, we're saying that this team is legitimately uh, a championship contender. And I know that's going to be like, people are like, shut the fuck up, Dave. And I get it. I get it. But if Chet is going to come out and he's going to be a top player in his position starting off, like he thinks he's going to be, like that I have faith that he is going to be, I mean, what are we talking? We're talking about a team that's, that's again, literally ready to compete for a championship if we stay healthy. Let me ask you, do you think um let's put Jokic in his own on his own planet, right? He's a point center, whatever yeah. he is, he's he's his own category. Name the second best center in the West. Whew. Okay. Right. That's what I got to too. Um and hold on. I, I'm wondering, is there a chance that we could be looking at Chet being the second best center in the West as a rookie? Um <laughs> you're looking it up you need a second to think i can tell but i'm just like you I, said I third, say, fourth 
I would say this is that um, man, DeAndre Ayton is pretty no, good. Don't don't say. Ayton. I'm saying Ayton. defensively, he's pretty good. Okay, but, but Chet's already a better rim protector than Ayton. Okay, so then if that's the case, let's go through it. We've got uh, Jokic, we got Embiid. Okay, those, Jokic right. is his own player. Who planet. else in the league do we have that you consider a top? Um, player because if, if we're talking about insert chet here which i love inserting chet places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um we're looking at at this point in my opinion we got jokic Embiid, christoph porzingis Mm-mm. clint capella walker Mm-mm. kessler Mm-mm. um got Cla- um claxton Dr- andre drummond um bam miles turner deandre ayton jared allen robert uh, williams a third Mark Williams, you see, what I'm saying, man, like, if if we're would, talking right look, now, this is yeah. why I think what Chet was saying was right, is because the league at this point, and, and there's some players that play power forward that are are excellent players that play center as well, but the league is 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 really hurting, is really hurting for depth and big men, and I look at Chet, and if Chet comes out playing like he's I think he can play. I think he's going to be better than Christoph Porzingis. I think he's going to be better than Clint Capella. I think he's going to be better than Walker Walker Kessler. So maybe he's right by saying he's a top player in his position. I mean, there are going to be players like Kessler. He's proven a lot of productivity and stuff. But like at the same time, for me, what I want to see from Chet is the ability to space the floor and you know protect the rim. You're yeah. never going to get that from Walker Kessler. So. No. But um, yeah. if 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 Chet comes out there playing power forward, and he has that center power forward combination, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know he's going to have a lot more players that he's going to have to compete with. But I, I I do think that if he sticks to that center position solely, he's the third best center in the league right now, without ever stepping on the court. I mean, and, and that's and that's crazy to, for me to say. I know what people are going to say, but. If you think about how good at he is at defense and how good he is already at on offense, and it, let's just say he goes out there and averages 14, 15 points a game, okay? That already puts him in the top 10 right there in, on um, centers as far as points per game, okay? So then you're saying, okay, well, if he comes out and averages 10, 12 rebounds a game, okay, that is going to raise him up to the top five right there. And then he comes out and averages three to five blocks a game, that's going to put him right in that, that third spot. You know, and I think that's the thing about it. if it's baseline rookie numbers that we're looking at, bro, this is this is what's next level about this team. So, yeah, because, I mean, you take Shea and, you know, other players for all NBA didn't have their best years. You know, some of the young guys. Yeah. Ja, Luca, like these these guys are first team all NBA players when they're at their best. But SGA slipped in there. He. Yeah in my opinion, is one of the top three guards in the league. Um, you know, and in a lot of ways, based on like building a team, his age, sure. he's the best to me. So like say yeah. you have the top three center, which, you know, whatever, you know, that's debatable, which we like to do. Then you mix in one of the top three guards. It's, in the, it's league. the combination of what he brings to the table that makes it so it's impossible to, to say that he's not already a top 10 um, center without ever playing a minute in the league. I mean, right. And there's always health, you know, that's like the number one thing. But so if you, if you fuse like 
an elite guard, top three, an elite center, top three. Josh Giddy, as far as playmaker or passer goes, yeah, he's top three. You know what I mean? Like he's sure. a guy that, as LeBron said, can see plays before they happen. Um, and then on top of that, bro, we've got I don't know, like just like an elite bench cast, as we always say, stars. I mean, role players who understand how to be stars in their role. Sure. This team is full of those guys. So this goes back to, I know that Vegas is setting the over under around 43, but is this a team that Thunder fans can really fall in love with? I mean, it seems like things are lining up. It's going to happen, bro. Or are we one year away from letting our hearts go, like just get carried away? If, if, we do not get injured this year. We don't have one of our top five players go out for, you know, longer than 10 games. Then I think this team is going to be known as, as one of the best stories of the NBA this year. Um, one of the most fallen, fallen, fallen lovable stories of the NBA. I really do. And we've seen what happens when teams and everybody's, you know, we've talked about this before when, when teams or people have said, well, you need to fail before you can rise above, right? Mm-hmm. But if you your organization has done things properly and they have raised things properly, they have trained you how to win, they have trained you how to do things properly, they have the depth to make it so that these guys don't have to play more than 69 minutes or 69 games. And, and why I want to bring that up is because if you look at the centers this last year, four centers that are in the top 15 played more than 70 games. That's it, man. So you're looking at these guys and you're saying, this is the amount of games I want to circle that these guys have to play. You know, like these guys, if they don't go out with a major injury and they're sitting out for 25 games, right? Or 20 games, then this team has a legit chance to not just do something crazy, but that people are going to look back and say, well, I guess you don't have to have uh, a loss or a serious heartbreak to see success because when you build an organization properly and you do things from the right, um, from the bottom up, uh, we've seen it happen in the history of the game before. Uh, it doesn't matter. You can look at any professional sport where a team is all of a sudden doing like they built things right. They've done things right. And all of a sudden things click, bam, and they go off and they win a few championships. And you can look at the Patriots, you know, you can look at Chicago, you can look at all these other teams. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, a complete this or that. Like I, I I look at I look at these teams in the history of the game of sports, man, and it happens every 10 to 15 to 20 years. A team that like nobody expected comes out and they built something before anybody realized what happened. And then everybody is is for the next 10, 15 years are trying to catch up to them. And I've never seen an organization do what the Thunder has done by by making sure these players are getting what they need to to be able to get better. Drafting the right players at the right spots. Trading draft picks to move up in the draft. Doing this, doing that to secure these players. Like for the next 10 years, everybody's going to look at the Oklahoma City Thunder and their movements and what they do and how they trade players are all going to be stopped and looked at, hey, would Sam Presti do this situation? And 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 I just, I've never seen, I've never seen it before. And I, I can keep going back to this over and over again. The Oklahoma City Thunder have done things right. That if they were to go off and win a championship this year, I couldn't tell you that I would be surprised. 
I think everybody else will be surprised. But but that's because like like here's the thing though, man. You spend time breaking down this team. You spend time inside and, and, and looking at what the organization's doing. And and you know, you know what it takes to see a championship caliber team. It doesn't matter in the, the whether it's a division uh, in the NFL or um if it's a you know NBA or MLS or you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> MLS. It doesn't matter, you know? A championship caliber team, they reek of it. You know it. Every single time that I've watched the, the – I'm a Yankees fan, guys, all right? I'm going to throw that out there. Every single time I've watched the Yankees recently, though, I can't watch it. Why? Because they're not a championship caliber team. They haven't been for years, right? Mm-hmm. You know what it takes to be a championship caliber team. And this Oklahoma City Thunder team, they reek of it, bro, in a whole new level. And that's what I keep going back to is like, is this even possible for a team like this to pull something off this absurd? And, and I'm saying – if it's going to happen to a team this year, it's going to happen to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, we've seen a few teams kind of make their way to the conference finals a little bit early over the last few years. I think the Hawks did it. Memphis. Memphis, the Mavericks. Mavericks. Um, I mean, it happens, right? Right. And, and then the thing is, is that we've seen what happens when teams do it on back-to-back-to-back years. They start getting tired and worn out. Right. And you so can get happened, to the first couple of rounds without being fully functioning team. These um, young teams that are too young and they get there, maybe not too young, but they get kind of excited. Their fan bases mm-hmm. do. And then GMs go out and they try to like put together like a trade to push them over the top. And then they don't make it back to the same level they were. And everybody's like, what happened? Like, or they lose a coach. Lose a coach. They got a, they got a friendly bracket, you know, and yep. they played really good for a couple of series. But like having a deep run in the playoffs can't make you forget like the reason why it was a surprise. You had such a deep run is because you weren't favored during the regular season. And yeah, you can put it together, but you got to find a way to compete for 82 if you want to really make it. So for me, what I'm looking at for this team is like, as we approach that time, whether or not it's today, tomorrow, next year, whatever, but like when it's time to press a few buttons, right? Can you do it without, being the Mavericks? Can you do it without being the Hawks? DeJounte Murray or the Christoph Brzingis trade, like this idea like, oh, we're one piece away. Or like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Stop it. I'm serious though. Think about this, man. Sam's made that mistake before. Yeah. You know, he knows what it takes. He knows what the, what not to say and what to say and what trades to make. And And when you look at what he has as far as tradable assets as, as draft picks, man, that's why it's all the difference, man. It's all the difference now is because he doesn't have to dip into those players if he doesn't want to. He doesn't have to go trade out James Harden to make his team thicker. You know, yeah. like, it's what's up, man? Like, this is why we're watching a situation unfold here that everybody else is like, okay, well, this, or we, you know, okay, the Oklahoma City have blank, blank, blank. Well, the Oklahoma City Thunder have 15 first-round draft picks. And they also have, what, 20 second-round draft picks? Something like that. So, and everybody's like, oh, they're definitely not going to be able to use them all. Duh, all right? <laughs> Duh. But we've seen what Sam can do by holding on to draft picks. Why is he holding on to draft picks like Utah's draft picks, right? And Houston draft pick. It's because we don't know where they're going to fall right now. So guess what we're doing? We're holding tight. And we're going to see what they do. Because we get Houston's draft pick the next year, 
or the year after. And and, and that's the thing about it is, is that eventually somebody's going to fuck up and we're going to get that pick. You know, and we get that pick, it's on. You know, like if we don't get Houston's pick this year because they somehow find a way in the top three, <laughs> cool. You know, we'll get Utah's and it'll be a top, you know, 20 pick. You know, and and, and that's where we just keep on going. And, and that's why it's like when people are like, well, they shouldn't be able to do this or that. Well, yes, I hear what you're saying. Dunk. But you take three, man. You take three picks, first round picks, and you combine them together. Now the Oklahoma City Thunder only have 12. And you take three of them. That's going to get you anybody you pretty much want in the league right now. Three first round draft picks. I mean, some of them will take five. Some of the players will take five. But any player that's available on the down low right now, you're looking, and that's a superstar level, you're looking at three to five first round draft picks. So no matter what's happening, and the Thunder get to that level where they're sitting in the Western Conference and they missed out in the finals, right? They're going to come back and be able to mess around and fuck around with three to five picks, man, and say, let's get some better players here. You know, we got Mistich this year. We got Jack White. We got players that were better than some of the role players we had last year combined. You know, I think Miss Chishka is going to be one of those players that's going to be an amazing athlete playing out there against everybody else and running around like crazy. He's going to be huge. It's going to be great. And I think because of that, we've upgraded so many different levels of this game for our, our, our players. And that's why I keep going back to it and saying like, you know, people are like, oh yeah, the Thunder of 43. And it's like, man, but we've upgraded so much. We've gotten healthy. <laughs> like, yeah. How can you say we're only three games better? If, if we don't have a serious injury, even if we have a serious injury, I, I still think that 40 games is completely doable. Yeah. Yeah, Jude. For sure, bro. Well, I'm excited about yeah, seeing no. this depth like you're talking about. Jack White from Australia. Played captain of the Mr. basketball Ch- team for Duke. For, yeah, man. You know, worked his way up there. And then now you're talking about message. You're talking about... Kenny, you're talking about you know, hopefully Wiggins. We're not sure how that's going to work out, but elite role players down the line. So, yeah. I mean, our time, I think, is coming before sooner than later. Um, one thing I was thinking about, and maybe we can save this for <clears throat> the next episode, but, you know, Cason Wallace and his point of attack defense and sure. how much it reminds me of, like, sort of what was Russ's primary attribute at UCLA. His okay. on-the-ball defense was pretty much – like what people kind of like identified as his best skill, go, you know, in college. Um, and the Kaysen had a very similar, you know, defensive style and impact. Um, obviously, I think he's a better shooter than Russ, but um, you want to talk about that today or you want to come back later? Man, why not, man? Um, Kaysen is um, an amazing player. What's up, Eclipse? What's up, buddy? Um, I really like Kaysen. I think that he's something that we look at and for a very long time, he's going to be wearing that Oklahoma City Thunder uniform. Um, I still believe that a rookie and a second year player and a third year player, um, that's really where the progression happens. So for me, it's really hard at this point to be looking at a rookie and say, oh, I expect his impact to be this, this year, you know, because I want to see a rookie do what J-Dub did and say, that's my starting position, motherfuckers. And people are like, ah, no, no, no. J-Dub's not supposed to start at the four. He's not supposed to be a power forward. He's not supposed to be a forward, guys. He's not supposed to be a forward. And J-Dub's like, motherfuckers, I want that position. Yeah. You know, like that's what I want to see from our rookies. I want to see that aggression of taking over a position, you know, and 
Do I think Cason Wallace has what it takes to do that? Yes. Do I think that he could do it this year if there was an injury? Yes. But on the same sense, I would still like to see him take it slow, you know, play his 55, 60 games if he gets a chance. If he is in better shape than I think he is and he ends up playing 70, hell yeah. But let's let's start slow, you know. I want to see what he can do when the matchup is properly there, you know, Definitely. when when the matchup is nice, you know, and it, it fits this Oklahoma City Thunder team and then Kaysen goes out there and drops 22 and gets like four Yo. or five steals. So Kaysen, what if Kaysen comes out and Sub Blake gets like similar to what J Dub? He gets number two for rookie of the year. Um, yeah. And basically just maybe because, like you said, he plays 70 games and that alone eliminates half of the top sure. picks or something like that. Like, yeah. If he runs out there and plays 70 where he's like an elite defender and he's a good offensive player, then that could put him in the running for rookie of the year just because the 65 game minimum. Sure. And and I want to say this with all due respect to Dort, but if if that happened, it would be because something happened to Dort, you know, hmm. um, an injury, a trade, something like that. And I, as much I, as I want to see Kaysen have an outstanding rookie year, right? I want to see the improvement in Dort more because Dort eventually is going to get us a first round draft pick when we have to trade him, you know, or he's going to sign a team friendly contract to stay in Oklahoma City long term. Um, and that's just the way things are going to have to go for this team. You know, so for me, I want to see if Lou Dort's improvement this year has been so massive that he's going to steal the position away from anybody in the future that's going to ever think about it. Um, that's that's what I want to see from Dort. I want to see that 20 points a game. You know, I want to see um, the continued um, record-breaking, you know, s- screen, whatever you guys want to call it. You know, like how he is able to get uh, the, the fouls called on the screens consistently. I want to see that ups, upsized. I want to see Dort play harder. So if Dort is out there saying, this is my starting position case and get in line, then that's exactly what we need to see with this team. So for me personally, I want to see what Dort can do this year. Is Kaysen going to be able to take that spot from Dort? Well, if something happens to Dort, yeah. Because Kaysen's nipping at those those heels, man. And, and, and I'm telling you, the way that I saw him play um, in some of the games that he played, and, and a lot of the games that it was quiet, you know, like you barely recognize some of the 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 um, impact that he had unless you slowed it down and watched it. And that's what's so impressive about what Casing can do, man, is like after you start seeing his impact, and it's, you know, ever so slightly right now, especially summer league and rookie, telling you guys, you put him on a team, that is designed to to run the offense and find players where they want the ball, you know, Kaysen's just going to look like another star out there because his shot-making ability and the way he finds open spots, you know, it's elite. And when we were had, Kaysen was at his best is when we had our best teams out there. Yeah, I think... He wasn't be, focused on being the best player. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing is like, starting off, we expect him to come off the bench... And he'll be backing up, like, I don't know, all the guys, anybody off the bench, like, off the in the guard unit. Like, yeah. we kind of use these positions interchangeably. I could quickly see him just fitting in so well with these guys where it's like, how do you, how do you work him in? But like you're saying, mm-hmm. right now that's Dort's spot. Dort is going to have to, you know, continue to improve. Um, but, I mean, I can't imagine these practices – 
case in door. Like this goes back to what I was saying about Russ. Like I think Sam Presti looks for a certain type of like player. And sometimes yeah. you have like a J Dub, James Harden type player. We call him like six six, six seven. Um, you know, really crafty with the ball. Um, incredible. Got the swagger. Got the swagger, you know, get to the hole. But then you got the, the Russ and Kaysen model, which is like like you need somebody to be so disruptive on their point guard. And then from there, if they can start out by pl- getting earning minutes by playing defense, then they're going to you know find their way into becoming a competent and maybe elite offensive player. Um, I think that's kind of like a, another pathway. There's different pathways, you know, for stardom, but Presti has an eye for, for point of attack defenders. And I, I, I just sick. wonder like, Maybe we're underestimating Kaysen's upside. Like maybe he is a future I, MVP, and we don't really know it yet. I, I this is like whether Kaysen's a future MVP or Kaysen's going to be equivalent What's to up, a, John Morant or anybody else like that. Like this is why I uh, keep going back to 100 percent is that anything is possible with this team. Anything, and any player that we are looking at that we're not seeing a superstar potential, right? Right? It's crazy. Because you want to go through it with me? I'll go through it. Got J-Dub, superstar, you know, BDE coming out of his ass, right? You got Chet. You got Shea. You got Josh Giddy, man. I mean, even Dort, if he turns into a 20-point player a night, bro, you know, he's he's a top 10, play, um, top 10 player in his position, if he's putting out their 20 because of what he does on defense, you know, and then you get the bench and you're like, okay, is there a better bench shooter in the league other than J dub or uh, uh, I'm sorry, J dub um, Isaiah Joe. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's one of maybe three players in the league that are elite coming off the bench like that. You know, and then you start looking at down the line and case Jay will, and you start recognizing each one of them has what an elite aspect to their game but it doesn't take away from the game that that the offense, the defense that we run. It doesn't take away from it. It adds to it. Like, it's beyond anything we've seen before. You know, like leadership styles. You can start saying, who's the leader in Oklahoma City Thunder locker room? Well, you ask the players and guess who they'll say? Who's the last person that gives a speech before you guys go out there? They all say JRE. <laughs> Best speech giver, just before going out there. You know, each one of them, have a place and part of that brotherhood in the league. And it's on this team and it's so unique and it's so special. You start seeing that, you know, Chet's putting his arms around Jay will and everywhere they go, they go together. And, and you start recognizing like, this is different, man. Like this is different. This is not like other, other teams where it's like, you know, Allen Iverson's going out there and dropping 30. And then him and his uh, friends are going out to clubs afterwards or, you know, hard in the same way. Like, like these guys are doing everything together, man. Like the, the team is number one. And again, it's they're buying in 100% to the organization and what the organization can bring to them, recognizing if they do things right, fucking championships, man. Fucking championships if they do things right. And they that's why Sam's picking them up. Because you put a bunch of young men in the same exact place that have incredible talent in any sport. And you start giving them the one thing that 90% of athletes lack out there. It's belief, man. And you start making them believe in themselves. And you start making them believe in the organization. You start making them believe in the city. 
And what happens, man? Fucking championships, man. That's it, baby. That's all we got to say. We're pumped up that you guys joined us. We went a little earlier today. See what happens. We'll be back. We love you guys. 